Welcome to Horror for Dummies presents Tim's Top 10. I'm your host, Tim, and I'm with you with another spin-off show. That's right, another one. Here's the deal, though. This is a spin-off show to the Horror for Dummies brand, but hear me out. This particular show is only going to be available to Patreon on the Padded Room Podcast Network. Now, if you didn't know, Horror for Dummies is a proud member of the Padded Room Podcast Network, which they have their own Patreon account, and I thought we could do our part in in in, in making some content for that Patreon account. Um, you can find that at patreon.com, um, and I think just search Padded Room Podcast. I, I'm not too sure on the details, um, but I'm sure people out there are smarter than me, so they'll figure it out. Um, so, for future shows, this will be only available to Patreon. Right now, th- this show that I'm doing right now will be free, as I'm giving you a little taste of, of what this fu- what this top 10 show is all about, but future top 10 shows will only be available on Patreon. So, go ahead, donate some dollars, and enjoy. Okay, a little about the spin-off show before we start. This is entirely the Friday Nightmares podcast fault. It's all them. Scott and Heather from the Friday Nightmares podcast. We had them on the main show. And what Heather and Scott are doing is a little competition between the two of them where they watch only first-time watches. And they explained it to me and Loof. Loof being co-host of Horror for Dummies. Um, and, and they said that we should do it as well. To which point, Louv jumped all over it since he's competitive as fuck, and he wants to prove how big his dick is by beating me by watching more movies. Um, so that's what we're doing. So thanks to Heather and Scott, we're now in a competition to see how many first-time watches we can see before 2020 is out. Now, Luffy's just doing anything he can get his hands on. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm going a different route. I decided that I'm going to go back to the year 1980, and watch all the films that I haven't seen from that year, and uh, ones that have slipped my mind, and I was going to make a uh, personal top 10 list uh, of best films from that year, my personal list, and I'm going to be doing that every year, so obviously after this, the next episode will be top 10 of 1981, and so on and so forth, until we hit... um, the year we're on, which will probably be 2021 by the time I get done with it all. Um, now, this is my personal top 10 list. So some of you, these picks, they may shock you. Um, some of, they, some of the, the picks may upset you. Um, some, you may even agree with me. Who knows? Either way, I hope you find this fun, fun enough to listen to or maybe donate a couple of dollars to check it out. And, and hell, Maybe you might even discover some films that you too have missed. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Let's get into the top 10 of 1980. 10. There's a special night in the lives of all of us. A night to be beautiful to be desirable. A night we can break all the rules and make our own. Prom night. 
My number 10 pick from 1980 is a little movie called Prom Night. At a high school senior prom, a masked killer stalks four teenagers who were responsible for the accidental death of a classmate six years previously. Alright, I'll admit, I'll admit straight up, I get this one and Terror Train confused at times, mainly due to the fact of Jamie Lee Curtis. She stars in both of them and she looks very similar, kind of. But when I sit down and think about it, I'm reminded how much of a better film Prom Night is compared to Terror Train. Yeah, okay, Terror Train is fun, but it, it, it's somewhat slow in scenes, and, and that's the reason why I didn't make my top 10 list, um, where Prom Night did. And, and yeah, I'll agree, Prom Night is predictable, but at the same time, it's a lot of fun. You have some decent kills, you, you just have a, a cool premise of the 1980s high school dance, Jamie Lee Curtis in all her glory, uh, you you cannot not like Jamie Lee Curtis. So this one, it starts the top 10 list. Prom Night, I have fun with it. I'm not going to say it's the perfect movie or whatnot, but it's a good movie. It's an enjoyable movie. And it's definitely one that is at the top end of the 1980s. So number 10, we have Prom Night. Nine. Again, spend a night away from home. After you spend a night with Ida and Vincent. Number nine is Motel Hell. A seemingly friendly farmer and his sister kidnap unsuspecting travelers and bury them alive using them to create the special meat they are famous for. Okay, so Motel Hell is basically the black comedy version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's just an absolute ball of fun. It's an entertaining story. It's it's crazy. It's insane. Rory Calhoun as Farmer Vincent. He does such a good job. And the ending with the chainsaw and the pig head. I mean, what more can you want? This story is not exactly full-blown original. But it's something that you don't see very often in the horror genre. It, it, it's... It's something disturbing though. As I said, it's the black comedy version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, if you've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre and you're like me, you love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, go and watch Motel Hell. It's pretty decent. I enjoy it. And that's why it's my number nine pick for 1980. Eight. Death Ship. It came out of the night. Number eight, we have Death Ship, which is the best title in the whole list of this of, of, of these movies that I've got. Death Ship. What an incredible title. A mysterious ghostly freighter rames and sinks a modern-day cruise ship whose survivors climb aboard the freighter and discover that it is a World War II Nazi torture vessel. What a insane premise that is. And the movie itself is actually a lot of fun. I, I would admit that some people are probably yelling at the, the speakers right now of the car or wherever you're listening to this and saying, 
Death Ship is a shit movie, it's boring. And I'll have to agree that some points in the movie are a little slow, but for me, I just enjoyed every, every corner that I turned with this movie. It was entertaining. This was a first time watch for me. Um, I had a fun time watching this movie. Uh, I was hooked to find what was going to happen next. Now, the thing about Death Ship is the kills in this movie are very lackluster, and that's the biggest problem with this movie. Um, but so, And some of them are somewhat questionable. Like, there are kills in this movie that don't really make sense. Like, how did that person die from that happening? Still, I look beyond the deaths of this movie, and, and I focus on the story that it's trying to tell. And it's very chilling when we find out what this actual freighter boat is, which gets spoiled in the plot summary that I just read. Sorry. But um, you see what what this ship was for, and, it, and it's very chilling. No pun intended if you've seen that movie. Still, Death Ship is definitely worth a watch. I had a ball of fun with it. It's a movie that I can come back to and just put it on and just turn my brain off to. You know, it's streaming on Amazon Prime now for uh, Australian residents. Um, I don't know about anywhere else in the world, but I'm sure it's easy to find. Go and check it out if you haven't seen Death Ship. I enjoy it. So that's my number eight film. Seven. Number seven is a film called Contamination. A former astronaut helps a government agent and a police detective track the source of the mysterious alien pod spores, filled with lethal flesh-dissolving acid, to a South American coffee plantation controlled by alien pod clones. That is the most batshit crazy plot summary I've ever heard. Now, this is a film that I was, I was just searching Amazon Prime, Prime Video, and I came across this, and... It said horror, it said 1980, I've never heard of this movie before. So I thought, hell, I'm just watching as much 1980 films as I can, let's give this a go. And holy Jesus Christ, this movie is so good, so good. And when I say good, the effects in this movie blew me away. The first two acts of the film had me absolutely glued and hooked to the screen. The gore and the the action was packed from the first two acts. There was things happening left, right, and center. And the gore in this movie was phenomenal. I just had a really fun time watching this. Um, the score. The score was catchy, and the story was compelling enough that I couldn't wait to find out what happens next. Unfortunately, this, this movie could have been higher up in the top 10, but unfortunately, the third act, it has a lot to be desired. Um, I feel like they kind of let the ball go in the third act, where the first two acts were really serious and, and the writing was good, and I was on the edge of my seat, and then the third act, it just went too silly, and they completely went off the tracks. I don't know where they were going with, but it could have been an absolutely perfect movie if it wasn't for that third act. Yet still, this one is really good. I really had a good time with this. It's called Contamination. So if you haven't heard of it, give it a go. I, I recommend it. It is my number seven on 1980s top 10. Six. 
Number six, Friday the 13th. Okay, all right, we're gonna have a big talk about this one. But before I do, let me explain the story of Friday the 13th for people out there who may not have known about this movie. But I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you know the story of Friday the 13th. A group of camp counsellors are stalked and murdered by an unknown assailant while trying to reopen a summer camp which was the site of a children's drowning, sorry, child's drowning and a grisly double murder years before. Okay, alright, so this one was tough and to be honest, I wasn't even going to put it in my top 10 list at all. Hear me out. Hear me out, I can hear you yelling at the speakers right now, saying number six, it should be number one. As a franchise, I love this franchise. I really, really do. But the first entry is my least favorite film. I, I'll admit, I would prefer to watch Jason Goes to Hell or Jason X over this one. For, it's just my opinion. I'm sorry, stop yelling at me. Honestly, I find it somewhat boring. I find this Friday the 13th from 1980 somewhat boring. It's poorly acted, and I think we can all agree on that. If you honestly believe that it's it's well acted, you have no idea what acting is about. And I mean, I'm no actor, but this acting was atrocious. And I mean, most slasher movies, they were. And that's kind of the charm for it, and I get it. But this acting, it just, it really took me out. I honestly find Friday the 13th a little overrated. And that's just my opinion. I know there are people who have it as their number one film of all time. They love this film. And that's fine. You be you. Good on you. Now, you're probably thinking, well, if you don't like it, why is it in your top 10 of 1980s? Here's the thing. While doing this list, I was thinking about what other film I could put in. And I kept thinking about Friday the 13th. And I kept... I kept retelling the story in my head and what comes after it. What comes after it is one of cinema's greatest villains of all time. I mean, he's as well known as Freddy Krueger. The more I kept thinking about it, the more I wanted to rewatch it. And that's the power of this film. I'll still stand by my words and say the film was has horrible acting in it, but look at the score. You cannot deny the score. Look at the set designs, the camp, camp, Arawak, I think it is, uh, the, the effects, Tom Savini at his best, one cannot deny its impact on pop culture. So for that alone, I had to put it in my top 10 list. Uh, if it was any of the other sequels, it would be right up the top. So keep that in your mind for future episodes of Tim's Top 10. So that's my number six, Friday the 13th. Five. Number five is Cannibal Holocaust. During a rescue mission into the Amazon rainforest, a professor stumbles across lost film shot by a missing documentary crew. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we have our first, technically our first found footage film ever. Um, If you want to get technical, I mean, it doesn't follow the tropes as like the Blair Witch or Paranormal Activity, but I mean, technically the footage was lost. And then it was found, so it's found footage. Anyway, okay, Cannibal Holocaust. My number five pick. 
Now, as a child, as a young horror fan, if you will, I was obsessed with gore, as as most kids were, I'm, I'm, I'm very sure. And I watched the goriest films I could find, and I salivated over the incredible practical effects that these films brought us. But that was not enough. I mean, I, ne I needed more. Then I heard about the video nasties and all these banned films that kept getting talk about. And if a film is banned, in my 13, 14 year old mind, that usually means it has to be insanely brutal, right? The one that I kept hearing about uh, was Cannibal Holocaust. And I finally got my hands off it. Actually, it was Luffy who, who gave me a copy, which I, I still have. Sorry, dude. Um, and my first thoughts upon watching this movie was, huh, is that it? I mean, in all honesty, it's kind of tame compared to a lot of other films. I mean, you put it up against The Evil Dead, and it's very tame. What I didn't know in my 14-year-old in my mind was all the stuff behind the scenes. I mean, you got the real animal deaths, the court cases, and so on. And now when I watch it, I watch it with an amazement of how well it's made and, and what they did to create this film and what lengths they went to make this as believable as they could. And it's just, it's incredible. And I watch it now and, and, it's, and it's honestly, it's a pioneer type film. And it's, it's one that definitely needs the recognition that it deserves. So number five for me Cannibal Holocaust, you cannot deny its importance in the horror genre. It is such a cringeworthy film at times. Um, you've got penises being cut off. You've got turtles being decapitated. Uh, if you have not seen this and you call yourself a horror fan, I think you really need to reconsider your, what you're watching and go back and watch Cannibal Holocaust right now. Four. Number four is City of the Living Dead. A reporter and a psychic race to close the gates of hell after the suicide of some dude caused them to open, allowing the dead to rise from their graves. Now, this was my first time watch, and I'm going to come straight out and say it, I'm not a huge fan of Italian films. I mean, it's a well-known fact, if you've listened to this show before, I cannot stand Suspiria. I mean... I just find it slow, I find it boring, I find it too arthousey for me. And and to be honest, I find many Giallo films very slow and slow and boring as well. Sorry, not sorry. It's just it's my taste and I know there's people who like that taste, but it's not for me. City of the Living Dead though. This film had me hooked. I mean the tone of this of this town, the atmosphere, the score. It's still, yes, yeah, similar to somewhat um, Suspiria in many ways. The thing about this movie is this movie had a story that was easy to, easy to understand, easy to follow. It had moments in it that were downright insanely brutal. Um, the, the effects in this were, oh, so good. And 
all these elements come together to make one great film. The story was rich, but easy enough to understand, as I said before, which is a big thing for me. I mean, I'm not the brightest on brightest of tools in the shed, hence the horror for dummy name, but City of the Living Dead was probably the biggest shock out of the films I watched from the 1980s. I honestly went in thinking, I'm not going to like this film, it's Italian. And I came out absolutely loving it. And that's the reason why it's my number four of 1980. Three. It lives 50 feet beneath the streets. It's 36 feet long. It weighs over 2,000 pounds. And it's about to break out. Number three, alligator. A baby alligator is flushed down a Chicago toilet and survives by eating discarded laboratory rats. No IMDb, there were dogs, discarded laboratory dogs, injected with growth hormones. The small reptile grows gigantic, escapes the city sewers and goes on a rampage. Okay, so I'm sure you know by now that aquatic horror is my all-time favourite subgenre. Obviously, with Jaws being my all-time favourite film. Creatures in the deep and, and just water in general is, is such a, a scary scenario. While yes, this is a creature that usually resides in watery locations, the film as a whole is a mixed bag of land and, well, sewer. But what got me with the film is the effects and the places they go with this film. The alligator effects are fucking unreal in this movie. All practical. And some of the scenes in this film had me thinking, holy shit, they just went there. I mean, children shouldn't play around pools unsupervised. Hint, hint. I fucking love this movie. And I, and I, and I watched it and I just could not wrap my mind around how good this alligator looks. It's, it's just phenomenal. Uh, for a 1980s film that I'm sure wasn't a big budget movie in any way, shape or form. I just, I really, really enjoy this movie. And this is a movie that is directed at me. Creature features are my type of thing. Especially uh, real life animals gone wild. I fucking, I just love those movies. And I, I have to give shout outs. But shout out to Jerry Herring from Kill the Cast. He was the reason that I got to see this movie. Uh, he suggested it to me and told me to go see it, and I cannot thank him enough. Thanks, Jerry. So number three for me is Alligator. Two. They're coming. Humanoids from the deep. Number two, again, we're going to stick in the water type feel, is my number two pick is Humanoids from the Deep. Yes. Scientific experiments backfire and produce horrific mutations, half man, half fish, which terrorize a small fishing village by killing the men and raping the women. Holy fuck, what did I just read? Okay, water setting, check, gore, check, boobs, check, and fucking fish people. This film is exactly why I love horror films. It's cheesy. It's schlocky, but holy shit, is this film a ball of fun. And it's action-packed to boot. 
The characters in this film, they're all very lifelike. And the fish people suits, I guess, they look... They, they don't look perfect, let me get that right, but they still look great. They look creepy enough to pass by being real. Um, I'm so upset that it took me so long to watch this film. It's one that I cannot wait to get back into and rewatch. I mean, the story itself is just enough to make you want to go watch it. Uh, I will I will warn you, there are some rape scenes. I don't know, can you call it, can you call it rape scenes? They're kind of animal men doing the rape. Oh, I guess it's the same. Rape is rape. But I mean, if a dog humps your leg, is that rape? I don't, I don't know. We're, we're getting into dangerous territory here. Uh, but Humanoids from the Deep, this one is so fucking good. The gore is... Wow. The gore blew me away. I was not expecting this type of... I was, I was honestly more expecting a sci-fi type film. And what I got was a insane horror with crazy gore, a crazy story, and boobs. A lot of boobs. So if that's not enough to reel you in to watch Humanoids from the Deep, you, you're missing out, man. Go and watch it. My number two pick, Humanoids from the Deep. One. And now we hit my number one pick. And we haven't said it yet. And you're probably thinking I'm going to go one way, but I'm not going that way in whatsoever. My number one pick for 1980 is... 11.55. Almost midnight. Enough time for one more story. One more story before 12. The fog. An unearthly fog rolls into a small coastal town exactly a hundred years after a ship mysteriously sank in its waters. Hey, this is another aquatic horror, somewhat. I mean, fog is, is somewhat water, isn't it? Yeah? Alright, three words. Three words that describe this movie. John fucking Carpenter. I mean, the man knows how to make a good movie. A great movie, an incredible movie. And while I would probably put The Fog below a lot of his other titles, this is still an incredible film. I mean, the score is one of my favorite pieces of music by him. I mean, when we're talking John Carpenter scores, you've got the Halloween theme, which is iconic. It's got to be at the top of the list. The Fog score, for me, personally, is on par the Escape from LA score. And they're both second. So that's how much I love this piece of music that goes with the film. Uh, the atmosphere of Antonio Bay. Wow. They did such a good job with the set designs. It's just, it looks unique. Not unique, authentic. That's the word I was trying to go for. Um, just the atmosphere surrounding this whole thing. I mean, the effects look great. They look, it comes off great. The ghosts... I would have liked to have seen more of the ghosts, but I understand why they didn't. I'm, I'm guessing it was budget restraints, but what we got was enough. You know, this story as well, 
This story is just so good and we start off with that campfire tale, that eerie old man telling the story and nothing, nothing makes my horror boner harder than hearing a good old campfire tale. I mean, it happens in Friday the 13th Part 2, this. I'm sure it's happened in other movies, but I cannot remember. It's just a really well, good way to start a horror movie. I, I love it, man. I fucking love it. This movie, The Fog, is a bona fide classic horror film. And the reason it's my number one film of 1980 is because it's that fucking good. <laughs> I just love it, man. It's, it's a film I can put on whenever I want. I really, really enjoy it. Uh, I listen to the theme every now and then. If I'm if I'm just writing reviews or doing whatever, I usually put it on in the background because it just it gets me in the zone. It's creepy. It's unsettling, but it fits the movie so well. I fucking love the fog, man. And that's the reason why it's my number one film of the year, 1980. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is my personal top 10 list of 1980. All right, now to answer some questions that you probably have right now. And the biggest one being, well, Tim, why isn't The Shining on your list? And here's why. To me personally, The Shining is a really, really, really well-made film. But honestly, it does not hit for me in the slightest. And I know I'm going to get some hate mail for this, but I find the movie confusing. I find it boring. I find it way overrated. I'm sorry, not sorry. And uh, it's just not a film I enjoy. I've watched it a few times and it's the biggest drag to get through. I, I cannot, I just cannot sit through it again. I just really do not like The Shining. And maybe that's because I'm a dumbass. Maybe I just do not understand the film, but I don't find it scary. I do not find it unsettling. I'll admit the acting is fucking phenomenal. The way it's shot is phenomenal. Uh, everything about it, technical-wise, is really, really good. So I cannot sit here and say it's a piece of shit 1 out of 10 movie. I'll admit, it's definitely worth a good score, but it's not one that I can get into. I just do not like The Shining. I'm sorry, and I know people out there are getting ready their their pitchforks and their torches and stuff, but it's just, that's my opinion, and this is my personal top 10 list. So, sorry, but... The Shining just did not make it. So that is it for the first episode of Tim's Top 10. I hope you like it, man. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, maybe I will chuck some up free for you um, just to get more people in on the Patreon. This is going to be, for the most part, uh, dedicated to Patreon. So if you want to listen to these things, all you have to do is pay like $5 a month, which is honestly the price of a coffee like if you can go without one coffee one day without one coffee to listen to these cool episodes and i'm gonna try to do them weekly no promises because i'd have a newborn baby and i have other shows that i need to do um but you get multiple shows i know darian is killing it with the patreon content um so you can just just don't have a coffee make one at home it's a lot cheaper You'll save a lot more than $5 if you do that. But yeah, go over to Patreon, uh, donate, and you'll be able to listen to these episodes whenever you want. How's that? So that is it. Uh, And the thing is, we usually play a song at at the end of every episode. And this episode, well, this spin-off show is none different. But I decided that I'll do something cool. 
Um, I decided that I'm going to look at the year, the year that I'm reviewing, pick a song that is my favorite song of that year or one of my favorite songs from that year and, and play it. So for the year 1980, I've picked a, uh, a band that I fucking love called Judas Priest, uh, the song Breaking the Law. And we've spoken about a lot of cheesy movies on this episode. If you want the cheesiest of the cheese, go and watch the film clip for Breaking the Law by Judas Priest. It is so fucking awesome and, and cringeworthy at the same time, I'll admit. But it's definitely worth a watch. I fucking love it, man. Uh, so enjoy Breaking the Law by Judas Priest. Uh, go over to Patreon and, and let us know. Let us know if you enjoyed this episode. I really want the feedback, guys. So thank you guys again. We'll be back with the uh, the normal show next week. Be on the lookout for that. Until next time, breaking the law.